road. Well, I made a binyard. I didn't know why. Well, I made a binyard. She thought it no harm. Well, I made a binyard. She thought it no harm. So she jumped in the bed and she rolled in my yard. This is A Maid of Being Young, sung by Bobby McMillan. Today, I bring you a special kind of bonus episode in a format I don't usually produce for this show. Recently, I had the pleasure of speaking with Connecticut-based folklorist, researcher, and performer Derek Peter, whose fieldwork recordings of mainly traditional songs from Appalachia, as well as the United Kingdom and beyond, have recently been released on two separate cassettes by the UK label Death Is Not The End. I'm just getting to know Derek and his body of work, but feel he's a really interesting guy who's very much devoted to this kind of preservation, and we share a lot of similar interests in this respect specifically when it comes to these very unique, traditional, unaccompanied vocal performances. So here's part of our conversation from last week, where Derek introduces us to a number of songs he's recorded in the past few years. Take it on your lap and hold this little head And don't forget tonight When I got your maiden head um, so jumping into your work here, um, can you tell me about how you got started on this project and, and, um, like what led you to, um, select these certain performers and songs? Well, when I gave you, um, the six or seven tracks that I sent over, I wanted to give you like a good smattering of the story so far kind of highlights, but I don't think it by any means narrates everything. I mean, there's, there's, um, there's no good way to like this work is field work is so um, like obviously location specific, but also when you're doing field work with people and they're like family memories, it's, it's this whole other dimension of, of like not only like location and time specific in the present, but also an anchor, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. So um, while I chose a spine of the story so far, you're missing the blood and the organs and everything. There's, there's no way to really paint like a, you know, uh, I guess uh, I'm thinking about this. I'm going to pull up a quote that I really love um, by Helen Hartness Flanders, who was a field recorder and collected ballads. I think this will this will say it better than I can. Uh, she said, uh, "Each collector who recovers and preserves this material has his own special associations. The Vermont Archive contains some 921 texts and 405 recordings. The intangible, indescribable delights which went with the collecting of each song are not filed with them. These cannot exist in words. The glow or the gloom with which one day ends and another is anticipated remains unstated." The warmth of heart where in some home a common appreciation of certain lines in these tunes falls alike upon a collector and a singer cannot be itemized or classified. 
Even that moment before driving out of the yard with the dictaphone, address books, loose leaf notebooks, etc., on the seat of the car cannot be distilled into the written word. Just beyond the windshield is the day, which one regards as untouched and undoubtedly undeserved in the flurry of what is to be neglected at home, so different each time, but always so electric with the unknown. And I think that, that she, she put into words what can't really be put into words, this idea that, you know, while I can select moments in this uh, process, uh, it'll never tell the full story. And it's certainly not wholly representative of the work that I've done, but uh, I did my best to uh, find some of the more significant moments, I guess. So you did, um, most of the songs you sent me were from, well, let's see, they're from North Carolina and the UK specifically. And then there's one from like Connecticut. Yeah. Um, something that is interesting about Helen Flanders work is that, uh, she worked out of Vermont. So she took a lot of recordings in new England and she did a lot of valuable work in preserving ballads in England, uh, in new England where, um, I guess the common opinion was that there weren't many and there were, she took hundreds of recordings in Vermont and New Hampshire, but she barely took any from Connecticut because uh, I think Calvinism had quite a say in uh, the way that um, people sang in this state, uh, which is to say that they really didn't outside of church. So there's a Darth of ballads in uh, Connecticut. So um, while this is my home state and I've, I've pursued collecting here, uh, it just doesn't really occur as, as, as much. So most of my collecting has obviously taken place in the North of England or in Appalachia, um, where it's still fairly common, but I think that's just by kind of natural selection. I wish, I wish I could take more, more in Connecticut, but, um, certainly most of my time collecting has been in North Carolina and in, uh, Yorkshire. Yeah. That's the more, um, I guess that's when I think of kind of like traditional songs like these, that's where I sort of place them in the landscape when I, when I think about stuff like this. Well, um, they used to be part of the same mountain range. Um, and then obviously with um, uh, continental drift, they broke apart. But uh, the north of England and Appalachia were like the same piece of land at one time. So I don't think it's any coincidence that these songs still are magnetized there. Oh, interesting. Mm. And that the people from the north of England emigrated to North Carolina? Yeah. And so, as I mentioned with Calvin, Calvinism, you know, that, that sort of thing didn't really happen in the mountains. It was uh, very well preserved. And so, you know, a lot of the vernacular that people think of as being from Cletus on the Simpsons or whatever, you know, this kind of back country talk is actually really well-preserved Elizabethan English, you know, like I'm fixing to go there or that's a, a hound dog or a tractor car or a widow woman, these compound nouns and all that sort of thing uh, is really well-preserved Elizabethan English. Uh, and, and with that, obviously the songs got really well-preserved. So you had the same kind of immigrants coming to New England as to the Appalachians, but uh, by virtue of, uh, you know, primitive Baptists, regular Baptists, Calvinism didn't really happen. That was like a Yankee thing. Um, so it never really sullied the uh, oral traditions. It wasn't frowned upon to sing uh, these songs the way it was kind of up here. Uh, you weren't really supposed to sing anything that wasn't glorifying our Lord, but also you couldn't glorify our Lord in a way that was too complex or tricky. You had to stick with simple psalmody. So New England really fell under the um the curtain of that but Appalachia uh kind of was left to do its own 
well-preserved little thing uh, and it still has a lot of culture preserved yeah so um i guess out of the songs that you sent me um would you mind like setting them up a little bit i'd be glad to um which which one did you want to start with so um the first one was bobby mcmillan galadriel song yeah well bobby was a dear friend uh he passed away this winter uh he was 69 so he passed fairly young um i'm friends with a lot of fellow singers folklorists singers slash folklorists uh but i don't know if anyone could rival bobby's enthusiasm for repositories like online catalogs of field recordings uh, a lot of the singers that i'm friends with are more interested in like living singers and and like learning the songs bobby was really an archive enthusiast uh which is something i am i'm really interested in these really old recordings of um I guess the way my friend will put it uh, with people with cold hands rather than people with warm hands. Um, you know, so Bobby certainly shared that same kind of enthusiasm with me. Uh, we would both be like hunting things in the library of Congress or whatever, like these old recordings. And he was really, really knowledgeable. Uh, so losing him was a big deal. Uh, but anyway, uh, despite all of his knowledge, uh, or, uh, yeah, I guess in spite of all of his knowledge of, of all these old songs, uh, the Galadriel song was uh, came about when he was much younger. Um, he was a Tolkien fan, and uh, he had read the books cover to cover several times, and then there's songs in the books. Uh, obviously, there's no melody. It's just the printed word of the song. So that's from Tolkien, and he set his own melody to it. Uh, and I wouldn't have known that he'd done this, except Will had told me, uh, when I went over to Bobby's house uh, for our last visit, he said, you should try him on those uh, Lord of the Rings songs that he came up with. And that was the, the one he gave me. Uh, so he'd come up with the melody, uh, but the words are from Tolkien. And uh, I thought that was a really interesting uh, item because uh, I, I would have asked him about more traditional songs, but I really like that he uh, invented uh, a melody or, or, or applied a melody to uh, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. I sang of leaves, of leaves of gold, and leaves of gold there grew. Of wind I sang, a wind there came, and in the branches blew. Beyond the sun, beyond the moon, the foam was on the sea, and by the strand of the moran there grew a golden tree. Where long the golden leaves have grown upon the branching years, while here beyond the sundering seas now fall the elven tears. O glory on the winter comes the bare and leafless day. The leaves are falling in 
the stream, the river flowed away. O glory unto long I've dwelt upon this hither shore, and in a fading crown have twined the golden Eleanor. But if of ships I now should sing, what ship would come to me? What ship would bear me ever back across so wide a sea? Um, next, um, we have Jane Prentice from Connecticut with uh, Pony Girl. Yeah, that was recent. And I wanted to stick something really recent in there. So um, I had gone to her farm a few weeks ago. Uh, this was March 2022. And um, I'd been tipped off about her uh, from a colleague. And again, there's not a lot of folk music in Connecticut, folk singing anyway. And uh, certainly not with Jane because she's a fiddle player. <laughs> uh, so she played me a bunch of things on the fiddle. Um, and she could, maybe she couldn't tell, but I think she knew that I was looking for songs. Uh, so I think maybe she felt I was dissatisfied, which I wasn't. She's a terrific fiddle player and I really cherish the recordings I made of her playing fiddle. Uh, but she, she seemed really eager to also try and dig up some memory of song for me. Uh, and so this is the one that she came up with. It's the only thing she can remember her grandma ever singing. Um, which doesn't surprise me because um, Connecticut just didn't have singers, but uh, it was really nice of her to try and excavate that memory for me. And that happened like an hour into our visit, she put her violin down and she explained that to me. So is it the best thing I've ever heard in the world? No, uh, but I, <laughs> I think it's really sweet that she kind of tried to make the effort of like song memory during our visit. My grandmother sang this one song. This is the only one I can remember being a kid because she put me on her knee and she'd go, pony girl, pony girl, won't you be my pony girl? Here we go, riding slow all across the plain. Marry me, carry me far away with you. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, wow, pony girl. So as a kid, you just waited for that wow. Right, of course. I have no idea where it came from. Uh, what was her name? Florence Atkinson. That was her maiden name? Uh, no, her maiden name was McLean. Next, over to the UK, we got um, Joe Elliott. I wouldn't leave my little wooden hut. Yeah. Uh, when I was in the UK collecting, someone at a pub suggested I just go to like a nursing home. You know, they were like, you're looking for long living people. That'd be like shooting fish in a barrel. So I contacted some nursing homes and retirement communities. And this was like an assisted living community. Uh, so I got there and we arranged it for me to go at like a tenants meeting. So like 20 or 30 of the residents were seated in a main hall kind of thing. And I was given very weak coffee and the director sat me down in front of all these people kind of looking at me quizzically. And she was like, this young man is going to sing for you all. And I was like, <laughs> you kind of have this backwards. I'm actually hoping that you all will sing for me. And I sort of explained why I was there. And I think some of them knew, but maybe some of them didn't. 
when I explained that I was sort of hunting for these memories of songs and this little old woman was sitting in the front row, Joe, she's like four, she was like four foot eight or something. And she said, well, my mother taught my sister and I this one song and I wasn't really even ready. She just started singing this song in her chair. Uh, so it's it's a partial recording because the first few lines are, are not there because I was like struggling to get my recorder turned on. She just started um, singing uh, and she sang in front of the entire assembly, like kind of unprompted, which I didn't expect. I thought I would like visit with people individually if they knew something. But uh, that was that was cool that she just kind of like launched into this song. And uh, it's a music hall song, so it's not like a ballad, but um, it is something her family uh, she learned through her family. Uh, but I just think it's so, so wonderful that she just decided to go for it like that. And out at the Hawkeye Bay, she lived all alone in a little wooden hut by the palm tree, shaded on that island. She reigned as queen. One day, a stranger appeared on the scene. Said he, don't waste your time here in this awful clime, but come with me, my pretty little miss, to my home across the sea. But he turned very red when she turned up her nose and said, I wouldn't leave my little wooden hut for you. I've got one lover and I don't want to. What may happen, there ain't no knowing. If he comes round, so you better get a going. Or I wouldn't leave my little wooden hut for you. Just as the cannibals came in sight with swords and spears, looking for something for supper that night, Making ugly glitters that chief in war paint. He is my bow. So if I were you, sir, I would go. Oh, is that so? He said. Then to the stream he fled and jumped into a boat afloated there and was soon clean out of sight. He never returned again to hear that maid explain. I would please my little wooden hut for you. I've got one lover and I don't want to. What may happen, there ain't no knowing. If he comes round, so you better get a going. Because I wouldn't leave my little wooden hut for you. And next we go um, back to the UK with Will Noble. We're all jolly fellows that follow the plow. So that song is really important to me um, because when I was eight or nine, uh, my parents had a PC and this CD-ROM came with it called Encarta Encyclopedia. I don't know if you're familiar with Encarta. Uh -uh. But, uh, it's, it was like a proto Wikipedia. It was like a little encyclopedia thing. It was like a CD-ROM and it had like multimedia tours. So it would like walk you through like the history of art, you know, from Paleolithic to like Van Gogh to Dali, whatever. 
and mm-hmm. it had a world music tour. And so you had like Zither from Africa and Gamelan from Indonesia and like BB King for the American South, which was an odd choice. But then they had like England and this, there was a clip of that song for like the English music. Uh, trying to remember who sang it. Might've been, um, hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, there was someone singing all jolly fellows that follow the plow. And that's like a really early musical memory I have of, of hearing that song all the time because I would go on this program every afternoon just about, and you know, you just do the same thing over and over because it wasn't as vast as Wikipedia. It was like a little CD-ROM. So that song was like a really early musical memory for me. And uh, when I got to Will's house, uh, that's the first thing I wanted him to sing for me because um, it's a, it didn't make it to America, that song. It's an English folk song. Very, very English. Um, so, uh, I, and, and there was there's just no way of finding it in America, I don't think. I'd be very, very surprised if someone in America learned that uh, orally. Uh, and he sang it for me. And it was really, really important that I get that song while I was in England. So um, kind of like paying my dues to like my nine-year-old self. It was early one morning at the break of the day. The cocks were a-crowing and the master did say, Rise up, me young fellows, rise up with a will, for your horses want something their bellies to fill. Now when four o'clock comes, boys, then up we do rise. And into the stable we merrily flies. With a rubbing and scrubbing our horses I'll vow that we're all jolly fellows that follow the plough. At six o'clock then to our breakfast we meet. With bread, beef and pork, boys, we heartily eat. With a piece in our pockets, I'll swear and I'll vow that we're all jolly fellows that follow the plough. We harness our horses and out we do go. We trip o'er the clods, boys, as nimble as doors. And when we get there, all merry and bold, See which of us a straight furrow can hold. Now one day the master he rode up to say, What have you been doing this very long day? You've not ploughed an acre, I'll swear and I'll vow That you're all idle fellows that follow the plough. Well, I stepped up to him and I made this reply. We've all ploughed an acre, you tell a big lie. We've all ploughed an acre, I'll swear and I'll vow that we're all jolly fellows that follow the plough. Well, he turned himself round and he laughed at the joke. Said it's past two o'clock, boys, it's time to unyoke. Unharnish your horses and well rub them down. And I'll bring you some ale in a jug that is brown. So all you young fellows, wherever you be, 
Come take this advice and be ruled by me. Fear not, ye master, for I'll swear and I'll vow that we're all jolly fellows that follow the plough. <laughs> Next, we got uh, Aunt Nancy Pritchard. Oh, Nikki, yeah. With the Bolankins? Yeah. Uh, Nikki was um, Lena Turbifil's daughter, and she's also no longer with us. Uh, she passed away last year. But um, I'd been researching Lena Turbifil for a long time. Uh, Lena was born in Elk Park, North Carolina, and was recorded in the 30s for the WPA by Herbert Halpert and saying everything from Miss Bolakens to um, Lord Thomas to like Cindy, you know, she had a really extensive repertoire of Appalachian folk songs and ballads because her family had a really strong singing tradition. She was descended from the Presnells um, and her father, Frank Bear knew a lot of songs. So she sang and sang really well. She's like kind of my little passion project. I'm trying to like raise her star because I think she was pretty forgotten about uh for some reason all of her recordings were unpublished until I came along so uh, Lena was a, a source of fascination for me and continues to be but I I was really blessed to meet her daughter Nikki uh everyone called her Aunt Nikki uh she was 86 when I met her and at first that was the only song she could remember her mom singing because there's a line in there uh we'll stick her little baby full of needles and pins uh, and that line had struck me when I first heard Lena sing it. Uh, and that was the first thing Nikki could remember. Uh, so when I went to visit with her, that's what she sang for me. Uh, and I'll never forget that she took my field recorder like a walkie talkie and held it in her hand and like sang into it. And most people don't even want to look at the thing. So that was really cool. Um, and then she did start to remember other songs, but um, those were down the phone that she'd be singing those. So this is the only thing I had her sing in person because that was all she remembered at first. Um, really, really special. That's probably my favorite thing I've ever recorded. Bo Lincoln's was a very fine mason as ever laid stone. He built a fine castle and pay he got none. Where is the gentleman if he at home? He's gone to Marion. Visit his son. Where is the lady? Is she at home? She's upstairs sleeping. Said the foster to him. How will we get her down such a dark night as this? We'll stick the little baby full of needles and pins. They stuck the little baby full of needles and pins. The foster shoe Oh Lincoln's he sang. While blood and tear, the cradle did run. The she, the uh. Daughter Betsy climbed up in the tarot so high and saw her, her father.
come riding hard by. Oh, Father, oh, Father, can you blame me? Oh, Wiggins has killed your baby. Oh, Father, oh, Father, can you blame me? Oh, Wiggins has killed your lady. They hung old Bo Lincolns to the sea gallows tree and tied the foster to the stake of standby. And um, what do you think is important about people nowadays listening and, and remembering and kind of maybe in some cases relearning these old songs, these old traditional songs? Um. Well, I think that radio definitely kind of um, ate away at some of the ways people sang and the ways people remembered music and what people would even choose to remember. Um, and the internet has certainly done a far greater magnitude of damage in that regard of like what people know or can learn or whatever. Um, so to be able to find these clear examples of oral tradition in 2022, um, you know, I think the popular idea is that field recording kind of went by the wayside. People don't really do the Alan Lomax thing anymore. Uh, and I'm, I'm stubbornly trying to fly in the face of that and, and prove that there are still musical memories that can be uh, preserved. Um, and especially with like iPads and TikTok and all this, you know, whatever. Um, it's just nice to know that there are still some like untouched musical memories from 100 years ago or whatever. Uh, that still live in people's minds. Um, I, I didn't include this recording, but I um, met with a woman uh, whose uh, grandfather grew up uh, in Northern Maine and she lives in Connecticut now, uh, but he would uh, take her on his knee and sing Froggy When According, which is obviously a, a song he'd learned through oral tradition because um, he was born in like the 1800s. Um, and that song was first referenced in like 1549 or something. So, um, you know, the idea that in 2022, I can find a song uh, in someone's mind and on someone's lips that's been around for 500 years is pretty neat. I mean, it, it just, you know, like, yeah, common opinion thinks that the internet's sort of done away with all of that. And no one remembers these things. But um, in fact, there are people that still have these memories. Very cool. Um, so the next one is uh, maybe my favorite is the Martin Bartlett, also from the UK, the General Taylor Three-Legged Mayor, which is like a group sing. Yeah, I started going to pub sings. I think, um, you know, the host family I was staying with obviously liked pubs. And so that's like what you do in England, right? You go to a pub. Um, and so I started asking everywhere I went I said where are the singers do, do people still sing and uh some people were not aware but then there was finally like someone was like oh there's this pub the three-legged mayor they have song nights every like Friday or, or I don't remember what day it was but it was every week and so I started to go might have been Sunday nights I don't know and um and I would start to record uh and no one minded and I would do a bit of singing myself but um yeah, that was a really beautiful, you know, sometimes they were doing these like amazing harmonies and, you know, you'd, they'd be scattered throughout the pub. Uh, so 
obviously a lot of these gentlemen knew each other, but you know, because they were like not seated together, you'd get this amazing surround sound of these ballads, like when they'd all join in on the chorus. Um, so that was one really, really nice example of that, uh, where uh, they just, it like filled the room because they were all seated spatially. And finally, we have a, a super windy recording of William Ritter, Georgie Child 209. Yeah, um, Will was, uh, I was staying with Will on his um, little farm in Bakersville, North Carolina. And Will and I are contemporaries. He's like my age and we talk all the time. We're good friends. Uh, so I don't really think of him as an informant so much, but I really like this recording because we were just talking uh, about ballads and he was tending to his tomato seedlings. This was in like early May last year, um, checking for aphids and pulling off leaves and stuff. And he just launched into that song. And I didn't have my field recorder with me because again, I don't think of Will as a, an informant or a subject, you know, he's a friend, um, but it was so beautiful that I just like, was like moved to record this because it was just this this man singing to his tomato plants um so it is super windy because he's up in the blue ridge mountains and it's like you know wind tunnel um but i adore that recording because uh will is such a fine singer uh and it was uh it was just another it was kind of like when joe just busted out singing it was like a spontaneous recording and sometimes i find that to be like more satisfying than like you sit down you meet with someone you expect you know you ask and then they get ready and then whatever i find the spontaneity uh to be slightly more meaningful maybe 
when you take field recordings. Oh, in morning early, I thought that I heard some pretty fair maid saying, spare me the life of Georgie. I thought that I heard some pretty fair maid Oh, he was a member of the royal race, 
and courted him a virtuous lady. If I were over on Yander's hill, were kisses I've had many. With my sword and my true love by my side, I'd fight for the life of Georgie. With my sword and my true love by my side, I'd fight for the life of Georgie. And can you tell me, uh, and people that are listening, uh, where they can find this stuff and where they can um, listen to these recordings and your work? So some of my recordings are at Death Is Not The End, uh, which is a record label in London. I've put two compilations out with them. The first one has some of my field work on it. Uh, that would be um, deathisnottheend.bandcamp.com. Um, but you can also go to my website, uh, derekpeter.com that's d-e-r-e-k-p-i-o-t-r.com um, and uh, if you click on the works section of my site there's a like a link to my internet archive uh, which I've very slowly been adding to um, that have a few of my field recordings on there that aren't published uh, on a record um, it's my hope uh, later this year to set up a portal uh, with an institution a university or something and have all of my field recordings uh, be publicly available for streaming. Uh, Cause I've taken over a hundred uh, in the last year. So I'm hoping to like get them up somewhere so people can uh, engage with them more regularly. Uh, right now I just kind of have to send them piecemeal to people. Um, so yeah, uh, death is not the end. Uh, there are two compilations. One is called Last Wisps of the Old Ways, and the other one is called Ever Since We've Known It, and uh, those mostly feature North Carolina recordings, but uh, uh, yeah, I've collected everywhere from New York City to North Carolina, Tennessee, Connecticut. Um, my hope is to go up to Newfoundland later this summer and take some recordings there, uh, so uh, the collection will keep growing, certainly. Awesome. Well, great to meet you, Derek. Thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Um, this um, is really great work you're doing. It's really phenomenal stuff. It's super inspiring. And, I really appreciate um, that. And um, hope to hope to meet you in person uh, soon. I'm confident we can we can make this happen. Hell yeah! Thank you, my friend. All right. Have a good afternoon. You too. So right, long. Bye.